Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast, episode number 94, featuring Al Batista. This is 21 questions to help you effectively break down film. Uh, We hope you use this as a guide the next time you're watching one of your games. If you click the link inside of the show notes, you're going to have the 21 question guide. So that's going to give you much more information and context into each individual question. Again, have that open for you the next time you're watching one of your games. We hope this gives you a ton of value and you enjoy the episode. Have a great day. Take care. How you doing? This is Joe Crawford, retired NBA referee. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. Serve the game. Your mission is clear, and obviously that was a big message that your dad gave you, and you're carrying it out, so I'm sure you're making him really proud. And that's another thing, Paul. Someone says, as a scout, what do you look for an official? I said, first thing I'll look at is character. Does he or she have character? And they go, you're kidding me. I said, no, because if you have character... Usually have courage to think about it. You're usually teachable. You're usually coachable. You usually have a passion, and and you're usually a self-motivator. And even if you don't make it to the NBA, you're going to make it somewhere if you have character. All right, Mr. Batista, it's a pleasure to have you back on the Crown Refs podcast. This is your your third time back. I know you've uh, you've had two amazing episodes so far, so I just want to thank you for coming back on. Well, thank you, Paul. It's, it's an honor to be on here. I know the last one we did, episode sixty six, sequencing and guidelines, was the um, has been the most listened to episode. So I just want to really genuinely thank you for all of those gems that you gave the whole officiating community on those episodes. It's, it's, it's my pleasure. So today I want to get into how to effectively break down film. I know a lot of times we are told, um, you know, we need to watch film and, and, and be a film junkie and pause, you know, press the pause button. And that was some tactical advice that Mark Wonderlook gave us, but we're, we're not giving a lot. We're not, given a lot of tactics on how to effectively watch film. Mm-hmm. So I know you have about 20 uh, tips for us. Why don't we get in um, to the first one? What are you looking for, A, when you're you're scouting officials and also when you're watching film? film? Well, when I go out and scout referees, uh, Paul, I'm also trying to help referees, not just saying, hey, you're a prospect, you're not, whatever, you know, my, my goal is to try to help every referees. And, and can I give you a little history how this paper and project started? Please do. Okay. This project started, I got an email from um, a G League and WNBA referee, Tony Patillo. And then I got a, a, an email from a young official named Philip Hammond from the DC area. And he got, and, the, and, the, and it was basically the same thing go, what do you do when you break down tape? And I've heard this question many times. What do you do? What do you do? And, I, and I've been through a lot of t- tape s- sessions. And what I'm finding out, a lot of officials and um, just general instructors are just validating plays. And, and that's okay, but it's really not going to help your development as a referee. 
Um, when I heard Mark's um, podcast, which was phenomenal, I, I just thought it was a phenomenal podcast. And um, I learned, every time I hear Mark speak, I learn so much. But what Mark said, which is very important from all of us, is we're, we're out the pause button. That's really important. We're that pause button out. And that is just so um, important. With that, I'm on a lot of these Zoom calls with just referees. And everyone goes, well, how many plays do you look at in an hour? I said, usually three. And they go, three? I go, yeah, because we don't really look at to see if it was right or wrong. We really look at focus at each position and the positioning. And then we get into just little things and so on. But the first thing that um, you should do when you, anytime you pick up or you watch tape, do these things if you can. Find your clocks. So important because it will help your clock awareness. And two, if you can, find your team fouls because well, it, it would just help your awareness if you can. Some, sometimes you can't find it on the tape. But if you can find your clocks, your game clock, in your shot clock, that's great. Um, and sometimes it won't show up, but th just get in that habit. You have any good reminders for, quite frankly, remembering to frequently look up at the, at the shot and game clocks? Well, yeah, there's one that Ed Rush is teaching right now in the court club that's just phenomenal. And put yourself in the trail position, and as you come up the a court, there's four things he's having officials do, which I think's great. One is find your team fouls. Three, um, find the formulation of the offense or the and the defense. In other words, you're finding all the players. And four, get to the ball defender as quick as possible. So it's clocks, team fouls, formulation of offense and defense, and get to get to your ball defender as quick as possible. And, and that will help you because what you want to do when you break down tape, you want to get into habits. You want to install good habits because if you install, as Mark said, if you install habits and fundamentals, guess what? Your play calling is going to go off the charts. All right. So talk to me about um, some of the examples that you listed in these slides. Okay. Well, the, um, and I got my paper here. <laughs> uh, well, I think the first thing that when you're breaking down tape, you got to say to yourself, how do I referee plays to the basket? And in my opinion, um, refereeing the lead on plays to the basket, it's very tough. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get to the secondary defender quickly, um, you're going to miss plays. And, all the, and on these plays, when these plays are coming to the basket, when A1 beats B1, as a lead, you got to get to A2 or A3. Um, sometimes you have to pick which one can contest um, the play. And you got to get to them as quick as possible. If you don't, that play is going to blow up on you, and you're just going to be refereeing contact. And but the the longer you can process it and um and see it, it's going to slow down for you. 
Okay, so plays to the basket, you know, you got to pick up that secondary defender as quick as possible. And you can do it on tape. It's just a tape draw. I'm in the lead. Where's my secondary? There they are. Pick it up. In fact, um, Donnie, and Ep- Donnie Epley um, and I did that this morning. Um, he, we were breaking out. We were breaking down a tape with Donnie. I said, okay, we're just going to work on fundamentals and positioning and where we're going to look. Okay, we're going to put ourselves in the lead. Here comes the play. Forget the ball. I'm picking up the secondary defender. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. And so on. And again, this, this is not mine. You know, I want to credit. This is Mark Wonderlicks. And, and um, everyone does that. The next thing is, are you patient in the lead? And I've talked this before. And the lead position is, is psychologically, you're in a state of anxiety because everyone's coming at you. They're coming at you fast and so on. In the lead, watch on film where you're... Just want to stop you real quick. That's a really interesting point that you said in lead all the players are coming at you because in the trail, usually they're going away from you in the sea. Same thing. Usually they're going away from you. So that's just a really interesting point. That's why we feel that sense of anxiety because you got players right. coming at us. Right. Go ahead. That was good. And the other thing too is don't let, when plays are coming at you, easier said than done. Don't have an adrenaline flow or let, have anxiety because if you do, you're going to start missing plays. And this is, this is hard, but you got to do that. For example, um, I heard Michael Taylor, who plays uh, center field for the Nationals, said, anytime I get an adrenaline flow, I strike out. But anytime I'm poised and relaxed, I hit the ball well. I get that adrenaline flow, I strike out, and I get fooled. Very interesting that he said that. It almost pertains to the lead. So in the lead – when you watch yourself on tape, you know, and, and you pick up that defender, you should be saying legal, legal, mm-hmm. legal, mm-hmm. lock shot, or yep. verticality, play on, or yep. legal, legal, illegal, foul. So yep. if you can get in that habit of processing, you just instead of just going foul, you know, block shot, you know, whatever that's going to help you. So look at how you time it because I've I've been working with some referees. They go, I was a little late. I go, no, no, no. I said, that's real. You're processing it very well. So it's legal, 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 block shot, play on, or it's legal, legal, illegal, foul, boom, you know, and, and, and so on. So, you know, and, and, and to get these plays right, look at your feet. Because if you're in these neutral stances, you know, in the lead, you, you tend to jump at plays. But if you get on your back foot, you'll remain patient and you'll, and you'll, and you'll be able to process. You'll, you'll remain patient. I go, wow, I never even thought of that. Um, and, and, and so on. And, again, that's just going to – it's just a little thing, you know, where your, your feet are and, and so on. So, so talk to me about um, being in a dependable position and how do we know when we're in okay. a dependable position? Now, the first thing is don't get confused. When you get in your starting positions or your home positions 
or your dependableness positions, they're all the same. They're just different rule book language. But once you get there, those are your starting points. Then you're going to move to improve your angles. So your starting point in the trail is a 28-foot line. Your starting point in the center is the free throw line extended. And your starting point in the lead is the three post-up mark, which I realize in Fed and NCAA men, they don't have that mark. But it's basically between where you close down and maybe a, a step um, to your left and the right. Depends what side of the court are you on. Okay, But that's where you're going to start from. And, and the trill in the, in the center or slot, depending, again, what level you're working, um, you want to get, you want to stay attached to the sideline, then attack your angles. Okay. Um, uh, uh, some individuals call it sideline oriented, but start there and then attack. Don't start the other way because if you do, there's a good chance of you um, walking into straight lines. Okay. And if you are in a straight line, just say, oh, I'm in a straight line. I must get out of my straight line. I must get open look, open angle. Um, as Mark says, do your work early. You know, if you know they're going somewhere, get there before they can. In the trail, don't overrun plays, because if you overrun plays, you lose your big picture mentality. You just mean simply run past the ball? Yes. The ball line? Yeah. Um, in the center, I see a lot of centers just getting down too low. Just remember the center. It's very simple. If the ball's low, you're one step high. If the ball's high, you're one step low. And work like that to get your angles. Now, sometimes in the center, which is interesting, you can they, sometimes the players will force you down. They'll push you down there. Try to keep your open angle, but try to work your way back to that free throw line extended if you can. Okay. Okay. You but said if you, you don't, can't, you said you don't do want to your go. best to get that open look. Mm -hmm. But if you're stacked or straight line, you got to get your open look. The other thing on tape, sometimes I was watching a tape today and I go, and I was, again, I'm, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm big with Ibo and I love Ibo and I think with Donnie Epley and Felix are doing is phenomenal. Um, but I was talking to Donnie, he goes, oh, look at that, Donnie. He goes, what? And he, I said, the official was in great position and then walked right into a stack. And, and, and I, when I work with referees, they get, they get depressed. I said, don't get depressed. I said, I've done that. Everyone's done that. Last night, we were in our board 12. We were having a little Zoom session. And an official in the lead had a great angle. And guess what they did? They walked right out of the angle. And they go, everyone does this. If you have an open look, stay there. Okay? And, and that's very important in, in so on. And the reason I say when I'm, when I'm looking at referees, because my goal also to just a personal goal, I'm also trying to help all referees. I'm not trying to hurt anybody or say, hey, you're not a prospect. You know, I'm done. I'll see you. Or someone that is 
a very good official, but just like hitters, they have hitting coaches. So it's the same thing here as they, you know, and, and, and so on. The other thing too is, and this is very hard to do, and we do it naturally, and I call it drive, driver's eyes, referee with driver's eyes, especially when you're in the lead. So once A1 beats B1, lift your eyes, as Mark says, and get to your secondary defender. And you can do that for all three positions. Like, one, as a trill, once A1 beats B1, okay, I'm refereeing that backside defender for the lead. And the same in the C. Okay? So always get in the habit of lifting your eyes, especially on closely guarded counts. I mean, I see a lot of referees that get really hooked in in the closely guarded counts. And mm -hmm. That's okay. And I'm not saying not to have them. You want to have your closely guarded account, but lift your eyes so you get a little bit more of a panoramic view. Okay? Also, lift your eyes when you're coming up the court because you have to see the formulation of the offense and the defense. And, and a lot of officials tell me, well, I, I can't do that. I go, well, you do it when you drive. Think about it when you're on the freeway. You're a 95. You're lifting your eyes to look for exits or to get around somebody. <laughs> Is that what you mean by um, when you say officiate from the top of their eyes? Yeah, top of your eyes, driver's eyes, lifting your eyes. I like that comparison to vehicles on the road, um, comparing yeah. them to defenders, secondary defenders. Yeah, the other thing, too, as a lead, are you rotating effectively? You know, just remember, um, and I, I'm not picking on Donnie, but Donnie goes, oh, look at this, Al. And I said, okay, you, you were ready to rotate, but um, but it was just a tad too late. And what it did is it put the center – who is now the trill in the bad spot, but they hung there and they had a really sprint back and rebound coverage. The crew kind of locked, locked out, but it broke down. Just remember when you rotate the three immediates by Ed Rush, immediate one, do not rotate on an immediate shot. Do not rotate an immediate dribble drive. Do not rotate on a skip or entry pass. So, so go over your three immediate. So when you're breaking down tape, and I, and I admire Donnie because, oh, look at this rotation. It's not good. No problem. It's an easy fix. Yeah. But the key is you have to – you're saying, oh, that's not good. Okay, that can be fixed. Okay? Um, are you sequencing plays like – when you catch the ball in the perimeter, what's your sequence, you know, and Mark did it. These are all Marks, by the way. Once you catch it on the perimeter, I just say referee 70% offense and 30% defense. So we're going to go feet, pivot, release. I just take it a step further just for me and for development of referees. Find the waist of the defender or find their eyes. It will dictate what their hands will do. That will be hard to do to find their waist or their eyes because you're, you're getting these anxiety issues because um, you just want to find them as quick as possible. But on tape, if you start finding their waist and their eyes, it's going to speed your eyes off and it's going to help you. Also, another sequencing is on a three-point shot. You know, find the screen, 
the line, three-point line, the waist of the defender, okay? So it's screen, line, waist of the defender. Screen, line, waist of the de defender. Jump shots, up, down, rebound. So up, down, rebound. Also, a play calling guideline is one of J Joey Crawford's, one of his, um, if the jumper jumps first, okay, the 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 um the the jumper that's defending the play if they jump first the defensive jumper they usually foul if they jump first if the defensive um jumper jumps second and the offensive goes first they usually contest the shot so you know, just something to think about. Um, Mark also says another sequence is aim small, miss small. So where they usually foul, they usually foul from the wrist on down. So aim there if they get hit, hit, legal, hit, hit, legal. So on any of these plays to go to your point of contact, aim small, miss small. And so, so when you go to point of contact, Driver's eyes again, you're gonna to have to lift your eyes again. You're also gonna to have to lift your chin again. So, because if you keep your chin straight, you can't lift your eyes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, aim small, miss small. I, I like to compare that to just being a sniper out there when we're searching yes. for that, for that point of contact on jump shots where, yeah, you, we are looking in a very small, defined, specific space. Right. Um, um, we talked about open angles and. And, and stacks. The, the other thing too is, is for development. You know, when we go into someone's secondary, and I talked about in this practice, okay, so in other words, Paul, there's a play right in front of me, and I'm in the lead, and it's a foul, and you see it, okay, and it's got to be called. Well, that's a strike. It's got to be a strike right down the middle, not on the corners. You wait, you give me a chance, and then you come and get it. And, and it's not about my ego. It's about getting plays right. The second piece of this is if a play's in my primary and you're coming real quick on it and you're not giving me a chance, that's dangerous because you could be hurting the crew dynamics because you could be speeding my whistle off and it could hurt my play calling. So. When you're watching tape, you want to say, okay, Paul's primary, not mine, okay? Foul. Paul's in half. I got to come and get that foul. That play was a strike right down the middle. Now, if it's a play, I'm not sure. It's on the corners. I'm not sure I pass and get. Or if it's a play that's on the corners and I come and get, and everyone's going, what, what? You know, okay, man, that's not good. You know, okay, I know what to do now. Now, I've always loved this baseball analogy with regards to primary and secondary. Yeah, it, I just think we're helping. And, and that goes along with the timing of your whistle, you know. Okay, there it is, strike right down the middle. He has no call, boom, I got to get it. And you can actually do that as a drill. You could say, okay, you know, I'm the lead, Paul, you're the trill. Plays right in front of you, you don't get it. I come and get it, you know, and just pretend plays right in front of you. You don't get it. I come and get it, you know, and, and, and so on. Effort and urgency. 
do you show effort and urgency? In other words, do you, do you sprint from trail to lead? Do you sprint from trail to lead? Do you beat the ball down, you know, um, every single time, every single game, whatever, whether it's a CYO game or a Division One game or whatever, you're doing that because you want to show effort and urgency. With that, when you go from trail to lead, find the last defender or the defender that can hurt you the most. So when you're watching the tape, go, oh, there's the one who can hurt me the most. I'm going to get them. That's something that uh, Donnie and I did today. I said, okay, we're just going to go trill the lead and find the last defender. Okay, who is it? It's four. Okay, who is it? It's two. Who is it? It's five. Okay, let's constantly do that. You can also do that um, just drilling yourself. You can go you pretend you're a trill. You, you know, you step with one foot forward in the stagger stance. You go rebound, secured, five – 28 you go and then you can have someone on the other on the at the other at the other end of the court with a playing card and just put a playing card up like a five of diamond just go um red fives my defender you can have do you it conducted, have you conducted these type of drills with officials in a gym yes i have i've done it with the rdp officials in new york and with ivo board 12 and with a small group in new jersey that Cas Beverly runs. So we've done them, and, and you have to do them really slow. And I got this idea is when I when I, when I, I never said I like co coaching baseball. I always said I managed baseball. But I used to tell my players that you win or lose on rainy days when you practice in the gym, and we would do little drills, like, you know, you know, they were baseball. And um, one day I was working with the RDP officials in New Jersey. And I said, okay, come on, we're going to do drills. And they go, what? We're going to do drills. They thought they were crazy. And when the games were over, they go, everything you talked about, not to pat myself on the back, because I just made a lot of these off. They said, it happened in the game. And I said, yeah, and you were ready for it. Because I said, think about it. You were all ex-players, and didn't you have walkthroughs? They said, yes, we did. I go, well, why as officials we don't have walkthroughs? Right. That's true. We have a pregame. We have watching film. We have refing and talking about it. But, like, we don't have any, any drill. Why don't we just get together on a court and just walk through things? It's interesting. You know, so, you know, do you have substitution awareness? You know, do you know who's coming in and out of the game? You know, no. there's a, I don't want to get in a rule session here. But why do you have to have substitution awareness? Because every game has its own personality, and who's coming into the game could change the personality of the game. And you have to be very observant. Why are they coming in the game? Are they coming in to foul? Are they coming in to shoot three points? Are they coming in maybe to disrupt the game? Are they coming in because to get some playing time? So you have to know all that and be aware of all that you know, and, and, and so on. Al, I see a lot of uh, officials, um, two officials beckoning subs, holding holding the sub. We only need one, right? Table side official yes. can handle that. It's a one-man job. Right. Here's something we never talk about. Um, in fact, the last June Referee Magazine, I don't, don't know this gentleman, but I'm going to get my referee magazine, but um, 
do you mind if I get Darren Drake? Darren Drake, uh, I don't know if he's listening to this podcast, but yeah, no, Darren. He wrote a phenomenal article yeah. on the mental game. Yeah, A to Z. A to Z, just yeah, phenomenal. And we really never talk about um, the mental game. And um, a couple years ago, I was with Tim Laron, and Tim Laron, um, uh, who's the Ivo liaison for FIBA in Canada. I was driving him to the airport. I go, how do we get officials better mentally? And he goes, he goes, he said, let's, let's talk, let's think about this. And we really not, and he said, well, there's self-talk and this and that. And then I was on a scouting call with my scouting team, uh, J.B. Caldwell and Diana and Sam, Diana DePaul and Samson. Diana did a very nice uh, podcast as well. And Samson Brew said, I'm going to leave the scouting all day. And he did something on an elite mindset. And it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So what I look for, not look for, but I'm, sometimes when I'm watching someone referee to help with their development, when someone gets on them, I call it do they cave. Do they cave? And um, and if they do, then we got to sit down and talk and work this. We got to, you know, why are you caving? Why are you getting um, distraught? What? Why are you being distracted? What's throwing you off? You know, it could be many things, and it's very important. Give an example. I was in a locker room and. Crew came down and I watched them in the first half, and it was a DC Capital League, and they were excellent. And they came down and did they get every call right now? And I'm hearing them talk, and they're going, Oh boy, you know, this coach and this and that. I said, Stop. I said, You guys didn't get every call right, but you're doing a good job. Don't let them get into your psyche. Don't cave. That's the last thing you need to do. You know, you know, go back out there and do what you're doing. And I said, because they want to get into your psyche. And I'm not knocking coaches. It could be the heat of the moment or tense, you know, whatever. But I said, you can't, that, you can't let that happen. And so when I'm watching something, you know, is this a – Let's, you know, Jay, I've been with JB. Um, I've learned so much from JB as a scout, but he always said, okay, Al, let's see if they cave. Because if they cave, okay, we need to talk and we need, we're going to work with you and we're going to help you. Does that make sense? That's all you do is you make sense. No, no, but, but if, believe me, we've all caved. We've all caved. Then you just got to go back and just say, man, why did I cave? You know, what do I need to do? You know, whatever. And, and there's a lot of, you know, I heard Michael Rapp on the court club just give, you know, he did a, a thing on sports psychology. It's going to come out on the Ivo Zoom session. That was just phenomenal. And I'm no expert in sports, I, you know, but I just think something that, in other words, when you're a refereeing, don't put yourself in a box. You know, don't be cocky, but don't put yourself in a box. You're going to miss plays. Go to your next player. Easier said than done. 
Yeah, that next play mentality. As much tension and pressure as we feel on the court, we almost have to be stress-free. We almost have to find that filter where we're just, we're still unaffected, unaffected by the noise. Yeah, and this also goes for signers too. And because sometimes, you know, I'm not knocking the signers, but sometimes the signers are a lot of pressure. They have to say, okay, why, you know, you're missing this place because you're out of position or you're missing these plays that, you know, you're, it's a psychological, it's not a, it's a, it has something to do with sports psychology. Are you getting intimidated? Are you doubting yourself? You know, let's work on this. Instead of saying, oh, they can't referee on this level. That's not the cure. The cure is, in my opinion, okay, what's the problem here? You referee 24 minutes great, and then the last three minutes you went in the tank. Why? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I miss one play. Okay, well, you're not going to get them all right. You know, so that is something that has to be, I think, that has to, you, you have to work with officials with, you know, and, and so on. It's just like hitters, you know, why are you in a slump? Why can't you get the ball of the player or the catcher can't throw the ball back to the pitcher, mm-hmm. you know, but they can throw a strike to second base, you know. Um, so it's something I think that, that you know, um, has to be uh, looked at and, and worked at. But back to the next point, do you work every possession hard? Like, okay, I watch you work a college game and you work the game really hard. Then I find you working a men's record where, where I like to look for these lower level games because you can work on some and you're out there loafing. Really? Why are you loafing here? This is where you can really work on your craft. And that just tells you something about the person you know, do are they are they are they really in it for officiating, or are they really in it for a mere materialistic mode, um, and so on? Because every game you work, you should work hard, or you should be working at your game. And there's nothing wrong with doing you know, like a men's rec game, whatever, wherever you are. And you're, I know if you're you know big, you know if you're working a lot of divisional games, but if you're working. If you're just working basketball and you're trying to get to levels, those lower level games is like your batting practice. You're going to work them hard, but here is where you're going to really refine things. Like from trill to lead, you're going to pick up the last defender. My clocks. I'm going to skip my. I'm going to go feet, pivot, release, waste the defender. This is where I'm going to all develop it, and I'm going to make mistakes here. In, in, and so on, and um, and that's how you're going to get better. The next thing is, and, and this can be taught. Someone says you can't teach feel for the game. Yes, you can. I believe you can. It's again, you got to coach the person and, and and talk to the person. Like for example, feel for the game. Teams down by um, twenty five. There's a minute twenty five to go in a game they've lost and you call a three seconds against them and oh yeah you're right by rule um and you got one right on the tape and you helped your tape scores but did that really help this game 
you know, and now you're getting pushback and basically you cause it all yourself. I'm not saying not to call three second violations or this or that or get obvious plays, but the, the, again, each game has its own personality and you're saying, do we really need that now? You know, or are teams up by 35 and they're on offense and we call a hand check out on the perimeter. And, and they're going to go up to the line to go up by 37, okay, where we could just maybe wait a little bit, or as Monty likes to use the word discern, just discern a little bit, see what happens. Okay, they got off. Okay, we're good to go. Let's keep playing and so on. So, in other words, do you have a feel for the game? And a feel for the game is just going out and watching games and, and being open-minded and – and just see what you have every game and, and go from there. You, um, you just can't be so legalistic or ruleistic. Um, you just got – every game has its own personality. Every level has its different nuance, and you have to pick that up um, and, and so on. Next thing, back to sports psychology, if someone misses a call, and then this kind of relates it, do you go into a box? In other words, now you, you in other words, you're always striving for, for, for perfection instead of striving for excellence. So you, now you miss the call and you're having this great game and then your game just, you don't do well. And why? Well, I missed a, I missed a travel out there. Okay, you missed it. Go to the next play. And, you know, so those are things that I look for. Ashley Moyer Leach says something that I learned. She goes, she, if she misses a play, she times herself to see when she can recover psychologically. Great teaching point. I go, wow, I never thought about that one. I go, that's a good one. That's really a good one. So, you know, um, and then the more she can get back into the game psychologically, you know, the better she gets. But the last thing with that for everybody, don't don't defeat yourself. You know, um, if you're on these calls or whatever, and, and everyone's not going to get to the NBA or Division One, but that doesn't mean you're a bad referee. You don't know where this journey is going to take you. And and but never put yourself in a box. Keep going. You're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. And just keep going and don't quit. When There's a group called the Running Herds, a great group that breaks down Cape in Philadelphia. In fact, there are officials all over the world on a call. Mm -hmm. And we'll go, okay, we have a foul, okay? And we'll go, where would you put that foul in FIBA? Because there's a lot of young people from Australia and Ireland, and they go, spire infraction, okay? Where do we put it in federation? Spot a foul. Where do we put it? And it, it, these are fouls in the front court. Where do we put it in NCAA men? Well, the four spots. NCAA ladies, the four spots. Where would we put that ball in the NBA on that foul? Point of interrupt. Okay. So now, because everyone is at a different level that's on these calls, if you do things like that, it's just going to help you. I just thought I had to mention that. When I run and walk, do I look poised? Do I look athletic? Do you, you know, my, are my um, um, 
are, are my uh, uh, pants, are they tailored, are they tapered? I remember, I'll just tell you another story. I hate that these stories pop up and they're learning. But Louis Grillo, who, was, who I refereed in board 12 with in, in the MEAC and was my supervisor in the MEAC, goes, would you please taper your pants? You always used to tell me, would you taper your pants? With some your baggy pants, are pants? Too long. Huh? You had some baggy pants back in the day? Yeah, I mean, they were just too long. And, and he was doing it to help me. And it said, you'll just look better. Do you exude confidence with your signals? You know, practice your signals. Um, don't be robotic with your signals. Be explicit with your signals. You know, do you look poised? You know, um, in the state of Maryland, we walk and talk to the table. So I, we always are working on our cadence to the table. And, and this is something I learned from Scott. We call it the six-step cadence or eight-step cadence. And it just looks a lot more athletic and a lot more poised, my opinion. Okay, I'm not, you know, whatever your state tells you to do or, you know, do that, but do you look poised, do you look athletic, and so on. Um, do you have good body language? You know, uh, is your body language, um, um, you got to be careful sometimes uh, to, when, to laugh on the floor, you know. Smiling, I think, is okay. Laughing can set off coaches or fans. Uh, you got to be very careful. And just my opinion, you look at your body language, you know, have a poker face, you know. Uh, do you have good clock awareness? Do you have good substitution awareness that we, that we talked about? So those are, you know, Mike and I are, are, are similar on a lot of the things. Shout out to Mike for that list, for creating these slides and also for providing um, some good plays that we're going to look at. Al, um, can I invite you to come look at some plays now with us? Yeah, I'm going to have to get a little closer. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. 